Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy, Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy National Onion Ring Day, Joe. When did onion rings come up? Yes, they came up uh, when you were visiting Los Angeles a couple of days ago. Did they? Yeah, when we went to Pink's Hot Dogs. More on that later. Coming up on today's show, we're doing a little summer State of the Union, and that means a little recap of what's going on at the World Series of Poker. And since James and I haven't exactly been keeping tabs on all of the goings-on in Las Vegas, we figure it would be best to bring in an expert. So Jeff Platt, he needs something in the middle of his name. I'm more concerned about the fact that the words Jeff Platt and expert just appeared in the same sentence. He's an expert on (laughs) presenting at the World Series. He needs like a Jeff middle thing Platt, like Jeff dot 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 Platt. Anyway, Jeff Platt is going to be joining us today to catch us up on all of the broad strokes. As I just mentioned, I spoiled it 45 seconds ago. James and I have a few anecdotes about Los Angeles. That's right. For the first time in a long time, me and James got to hang out somewhere that wasn't poker related. I mean, there is poker in Los Angeles, but there was no poker anywhere near my trip. Was not poker related. We'll hear about James's trip. We'll hear about some of my stand-up shows. I've been doing a lot of traveling. I have a disaster travel story coming up for you guys in a minute. <laughs> and this week's Superfan canceled just hours before... No, just hours after. <laughs> before would have been better. I went to the effort of sitting through the movie Rush... Um, to be I, fair, to be yeah. fair, now before, because I know you're not a fan of this movie, you've made that abundantly clear from the moment I, I we first connected today, um, Ross gave us plenty of notice, and he has a legitimate excuse. In amongst all of the listeners who work in IT, we do have a few listeners who are doing jobs that have less flexibility, and Ross could not make it today, but because he gave us notice, we'll make sure he gets booked in for the next season. And because he's out there doing some very important work. I won't reveal what it is until he decides to, but I think it's very important work, and I'm glad Ross is out there. Uh, We do need other super fans, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll get Ross on in a future show, and he will be at an amazing advantage, because I get the impression that you won't want to rewatch Rush. I will not rewatch Rush. I'll save my full thoughts on Rush for when we do get Ross back. Okay, uh, but you'll have forgotten about it, and so he's basically probably going to sweep the board. But yes, we got one more show next week, and we do have a super fan booked in for next week's episode, but we need you to apply for future episodes, including... Our summer special, which is going to be a Poker Movie Monday episode. Details at the end of the show, so please make sure you listen to the end of the show. And a reminder that whether it's super fan applications or comments about the show or questions for us, we do have dedicated channels on the PokerStars Discord server, and there is a link in the podcast description. Well, speaking of discussions... um... I, I retweeted something like a week. It's been a while since we've done the show, so my memory is a little foggy of all the stuff that's happened between uh, then and now. But I retweeted something that Geraldo's Vulgaris replied to. Okay. Remember Bob, right? Yep, Bob yep, still yep. follows me on Twitter. And then Mark Cuban replied to Bob, which I thought was kind of cool until I saw the fucking idiotic responses that Mark Cuban invited into my timeline. Because people reply to him with the dumbest shit imaginable all day, every day. But isn't this Twitter every single day, this sh- tiny little light, this small beacon of hope, which is quickly extinguished Correct. by an utter storm of shit? Yes, absolutely. So 
Um, what I thought was going to be kind of pleasant ended up being unpleasant, and uh, the internet still sucks. Okay. <laughs> We did get a chance to have a little R&R over the last couple of weeks. Uh, James went on vacation. I got to watch some things finally. But James, you caught up on some stuff that I had been begging you to watch. Yeah. For the last six months to a couple of years, actually, for one of them. So To be honest with you, I did not realize this was a Netflix show. I thought this was some one of those weird, random American things that obviously you and Griffin were connecting over, but I couldn't watch in my part of the world. Yes, so it is a weird, random thing that Griffin and I connected over, but it was Netflix. And we're talking about, I think you should leave. I also wasn't sure that it would be your style of humor. It took me a while to adjust to it. I don't dislike sketch shows. But like all sketch shows, it is an uneven. Not everything is a hit, but there are more hits than misses. And once you realize that it, every sketch ties into the title of the show, everything is meant to be super awkward, everything overstays its welcome, once you get that, it really, <laughs> really works. Uh, just to reiterate, when I watched I Think You Should Leave for the first time, I was in tears in the first minute. Just that first sketch where he's like trying to open the door... I was cry laughing in the first minute. And you and now you've seen more of it than I have. I finished. I mean, there's each episode is like 15 minutes. Yeah. And there's only like six or seven episodes per season. Yes. I watched the whole thing, all three seasons on a flight from London to Los Angeles. I've been savoring the third season. I've only watched maybe the first three or four episodes. I still have a couple left to go. Uh, and then speaking of things that you've also seen more of than me, you finally got poker face in the uk yes and i'm very much enjoying it and once again you embrace its quality which is it's a deliberately old-fashioned show yeah it's awesome i love it and i realized of course the whole font titles design everything about it is retro because it's episodic each week is a new mystery is a new drama yes there's a season-long narrative running through it but I'm very much enjoying. It. I've still got two to go. Okay, so you're, but you're. And another thing about being episodic, there's like a couple of things she says and does in every episode, and like a recurring character on a sketch show. You're like, do the thing, yeah, say the thing, do yeah. the thing. But we discovered that you randomly missed an episode in the middle of the yeah, season. Because no offense, I hope they don't pull my sponsorship. But the Peacock app sucks, and I didn't realize. First of all, every time I go to watch something in the Peacock app, I have to search for it. Like, it doesn't remember. It's like your shows, and it's like two things I watched from like four years ago. Um, so, yes, I missed an entire episode of Poker Face. There's the lost episode in my case. And that was the one episode you wanted to talk about. And finally, you wa are watching Severance. I've started Severance. Um, it is quite heavy going in in a good way. Yeah. It's, it's quality drama, but it's not like... It's not something that's going to put a smile on your I'm face. I'm jealous that you don't have to wait for it every week like I did. That right. was really difficult to do. In a way, though, I can see this being one of those shows that works on a weekly basis because it's not something I want yeah, to binge. It does. It does. It so did work really well. I, so I'm balancing it with other things at the moment. So I went to the movies twice recently, which is a lot for me, even though I like going. It's been so busy. So I saw Across the Spider-Verse. Which I didn't love quite as much as the first one because the storyline I didn't find quite as compelling. Doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah. It just didn't blow me away. However, visually and the amount of detail they put into this is mind-blowing. Like, above and beyond the first one. It wow. is really, really fantastic in that sense. And then I watched... 
I went to go see the movie uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. I, Is this Transformers five, six, I think seven, it's six? Well, do you do we count Bumblebee? Right. Um, that's more of a spin-off, though, right? That's not part of the Transformers series. That's kind of like a Hobbs and Shaw. You can't include that in the actual. I don't know because they reference it in this. So anyway, okay. So you've got one, two, and three. And then there's four and five, and then there's Bumblebee, which I, I think does count. Make okay. it six. So this would be seven. This is a prequel. Oh God. That happens in between the events of Bumblebee and Transformer, the original Transformers. So it's a little bit boring in that respect because you kind of know where things end up. I've never been that big of a fan of the animal Transformers either. But anyway, it was the middle of the daytime. I was doing stand-up in St. Louis. I wanted to go see something just mind-numbing. This counted as that. Not great. It's got a very interesting twist ending that I will not give away on the show that I thought was equal parts eye roll and like, oh, pre I'm pretty cool. I'll probably go see the thing that they're hinting at here. Um, but the most amazing thing that happened during this, I'd never seen this before. You know how they do that PSA before the show. It's like, I don't know, it's someone like ruining the movie with a cell phone, right? Like the, no matter what movie you go to. Yes, and can I say, cinemas, you need to update that PSA. It's not just cell phones that are the problem. Now when people get alerts or move their bloody arms, their watches are lighting up every five seconds. I can top that. So they showed this, this PSA. There's one in every theater. Not the same one, but you know what I'm talking about. Turn off your cell phone. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, there was a woman in my theater who was like, that's okay. I brought my laptop. That's right. A woman fucking took out a laptop and started working on it about no. an hour into Transformers and didn't get off it for the entire movie. And I was too afraid to go report her because I was like, clearly this woman is deranged. She brought a fucking laptop to a movie theater. I'm like, what do you want me to wheel in a Xerox for you? How about we bring the whole boardroom table? The best part is like, this is probably some work from home situation, right? Where she's just like scamming her job and she's working while she's at the movies. The, all I could think about is like, if she gets caught, right, and gets fired, the movie she got fired over that she just had to see in the middle of the daytime on a Wednesday, <laughs> Transformers Rise of the Beasts. This is akin to people who insist on filming stuff on an iPad. Yeah, I mean, it's just, what is going on? So, anyway, Transformers wasn't great, but I got a good story out of it. And then finally, I watched a movie with my pal James Hardigan yes. on Apple TV called Tetris. And boy, let's just say it didn't fit together. <laughs> um, It was terrible. It was pretty bad. You know what really pissed me off, too, is that we were watching with my best friend from L.A. He came over, and uh, he started ripping on it immediately. And he doesn't, like, get movies the same way I do, and he hates almost every movie. And when he started ripping on it, I was like, shut up. And then him and my girlfriend started ripping on it, and I'm like, you guys aren't being fair. And then about an hour into it, I was like, okay, you guys are right. This movie's pretty bad. It's definitely a movie that should be talked through. It was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. So, yes, I was out in the U.S. and spent some time uh, with Joe in L.A. Um, had a great 10 days on the West Coast, I am going to say that in addition to seeing you, Joe, one of the key highlights was Disneyland, the new Star Wars ride, Rise of the Resistance. And I'm not going to say anything, no spoilers, but understand that this is an experience. It is a great piece of immersive theatre as well as being a great theme park ride. I'm going to say nothing more than that. But I had to wait in line yeah. two hours for this ride. 
and it was worth every worth second. Worth it, right? Yeah. I, w- I was trying to tell you that about some of the things they have at these parks now. The rides are pretty, ins- the lines are pretty insane, but many of the experiences are worth it. Uh, I wish you'd gotten to ride Transformers at Universal Studios, though, so you could see the part that I cry at every time. <laughs> That's right. I cry whenever I ride the Transformers ride. I can't help it. Luckily, you did Rise of the Resistance instead of Rise of the Beasts. Uh, okay. And then uh, we spent some time. Yes, Joe very kindly took us on his personal driving tour of Los Angeles, Malibu, Hollywood, the aforementioned Pink's Hot Dogs. And, and this was a great segue, this was unplanned, but when you said, I'm going to give you guys a great view of the Hollywood sign, you remembered that your friend Lauren, producer of The Card Counter, lives in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. And so let's see if Lauren's at home and drop by her place. And she was at home. And it was probably the highlight of the trip for everybody, was getting to stand on a, one of those balconies in the Hollywood Hills. There was a cat. Which... Lauren has cats, and you, I'm always going to be placated by cats. The whole gang was really... <laughs> and then Lauren took us on a little hike past her house to the Hollywood Reservoir, which I didn't even know you could access from her place. And it was like being in Narnia. Yeah. Seeing a big bo- body of water and green in L.A. It was crazy. Yeah. The, the, the crazy thing is how green Los Angeles looks right now. And... I, I think I referenced this uh, in a tweet. While it was like 28 Celsius in London, LA was 17 Celsius overcast with occasional light rain. It was the Freaky Friday of cities. It's still Freaky Fridaying over here. Uh, so I actually just went back to LA for two nights, specifically to take James on the six-hour driving tour of LA, which I can't even believe you guys liked, honestly. Um, so I was in between gigs. I had gigs in St. Louis. And then I went home for two nights, and then I went to more gigs in St. Louis and went back. And uh, I did six shows each weekend, which uh, is quite a bit. Uh, more stage time than I'm used to getting. We had a Thursday night show, two Friday, two Saturday, one on Sunday. And I'll say that um, the first weekend I was uh, opening for a guy named uh, Rob Durham, a teacher who is hilarious and brought out huge crowds of teachers every night. And teachers, for the most part, are like kind of my ideal audience member, right? They're they're educated. They're a little bit liberal. Not that I have anything against what people go to the shows, but they're going to get me a little bit more. Yeah. So Sunday, he's like, look, this is kind of like the post-church crowd. Maybe like rein in your materials a little bit. You know, they might not be that, that into it. And so I did all my cleanest stuff and they still fucking hated me. <laughs> like they absolutely hated me. I wouldn't say I bombed, but it was not good. There was a guy in the front row with his arms crossed, a guy and his wife and their 14-year-old daughter. I don't know why you would do that. I don't know why you would bring your teenage daughter to a comedy club, but man, was it uncomfortable. So then the fo- so then what happened, there was one night though, there was one night where um this uh one of the one of the door guys comes backstage, he goes, We got a red hat. And I'm like, what does he mean red hat? Red hat. And he's like, oh, a ma- like a MAGA hat. And I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't really mind. But also, sometimes there's red hats. The Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals, have a red hat. I'm going to just go out and scope this out. And it turns out it wasn't a MAGA hat. It was just a a hat that said Trump in giant letters on it. It wasn't actually... Okay, so so the the doorman's instincts were on point. Yes. And like I said, I really don't care about... I don't care about your political affiliation at all when you're in a comedy club. I don't want to know. Unfortunately, I would prefer just not to know. So this fella's got the Trump hat, and uh, I, I don't really clock him again for the rest of the show, but then after the show, he came backstage to find me. Uh oh. 
And I, what did you say? How I have did you to reiterate him? this? I don't get political in my acts. Yes, it's pretty clear, like where my sort of politics are by some of the things I joke about, but I don't rip on anyone. I don't call anyone stupid. I don't mention politicians by name or talk anything about politics specifically. So he came back to find me and I'm like, uh oh, here we go. And he grabs me by the hand, shakes my hand. He says, that was hilarious. And then he gave me a joke. Now, whenever someone gives you a joke, it's almost always terrible. This guy's joke was not terrible. Unfortunately, it was racist. <laughs> and I was like, hey, man, that joke's not for me, but I got to give you a little credit. It's kind of funny. Thank you for saying so, but get out of here now. It was kind of funny in 1973. Thank yes. you very much. So after the second weekend of shows, I, uh, I immediately... Okay, so my last show Sunday night at about 9.30... And I had a flight the next morning at five. My first flight from St. Louis to Chicago. So, and then Chicago at 8 a.m. to London. I had to go to London for a couple days. Now, uh, because my flight was at five, I had to get up at 2.30. Now, getting up at 2.30 is like maybe an hour after I would have gone to bed. It's, it's people joke. They say, I have to get up before I go to bed. Right. That's, that's one of those that times. That is the joke. Yeah. So I just didn't go to bed. Yeah. I, 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 I hear you. I think that's fair. So on my way to the airport, though, I get a message saying that my 8 a.m. flight has been delayed to 4.30 p.m. That's an eight-hour delay. That is an eight-and-a-half-hour delay. Ugh. Yes. Um, and so I'm like, great. Wow. Really wish I had known that. I could have taken a light, later flight to Chicago. So I am... Um, just, I'm just trying to be like mentally prepare myself. Okay. We'll get to the airport. We'll try to get in the lounge. We'll get in the lounge. We'll just stay, you know, we can do it. I'll prep some of the stuff that I have to do in London. Um, and I will, uh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So I get on, I get to the gate. Finally, the flight's delayed like another hour after that. So now I'm on like, I don't know, 40 hours, no sleep, something crazy. And I finally get on the plane. I pass out, like, right after the meal service. I wait for the free food, pass out, and then I wake up, and my right arm is on fire. It is, sorry, not literally on fire, but it is. I have a burning sensation stemming from my elbow, shooting up my bicep and down toward my hand. Every time I kind of fall back asleep, and every time my elbow touches the armrest, I wake up in, in agony. And it gets to the point where even the bumping of the plane is, like, causing me great pain. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Luckily, it's my right arm, so I don't think I'm having a heart attack, right? Like, if it was my left arm, I would have been genuinely worried, like, am I, you know, having some, yeah, like, a, like, a heart thing. Um, and so I just sit there in agony for, like, three and a half hours waiting for the plane to land, an hour and a half to get out of Heathrow, an hour and a half to get from Heathrow to London, and I go straight to the hospital. I don't want to fuck around with this. I think maybe I have an infection. I had like a scrape on my arm and I thought, shit, I got infected somehow. And you can't fuck with an infection, right? You can't be like, oh, I'm, I'll go, I'll give it a day. That, no, that, that needs antibiotics. Yeah. So I go to the hospital. It turns out that I'd given myself something called bursitis, which is your joints getting really angry with you. Your joints are being like, nope, enough. Whatever you've been doing, stop doing it. Uh, and possibly also an infection at the same time. So we're talking now that I that I had to do the obligations that I had in London that day. So I went to bed on Tuesday night in London for the first time since Saturday night in St. Louis. 
I have pulled some crazy shifts before in my life, but that was a new record. Especially at the age you are now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, no offense, because I know personally how no, hard dude, it is I'm these days. Too, I am too old for this shit. Yeah, 100%. Now, sadly, Joe wasn't around in London for the launch of the 2023 Pokestars Women's Boot Camp at the Hippodrome. So this is an initiative, which, you know, Joe, because we've done these at a few EPT events, designed to introduce more women to the game of poker and create opportunities for women to discover the game in a safe, comfortable, fun environment. And... It was a good evening. I was there primarily to host a Q&A with a panel of women in the poker industry. Rebecca and Francine from Poker Stars, plus Jen Shahadi came over, uh, Alex O'Brien, the science writer, Very someone cool. who we've talked before about having on the podcast. And I said to Alex, we'll make that happen when we get to the autumn. And Lena Pateri, who's an industry veteran, she's worked in the industry for like 15 years. And that was a really interesting discussion about the barriers for mm -hmm. women coming into poker, but also the problems that even in the year 2023, and it's stuff that we have discussed on this podcast in recent months, the problems that still exist, and some of them are easily solvable, some of them are ingrained and cultural, and are going to take a long time to resolve. So you didn't completely solve the women in poker thing. Sadly, night. the 35-minute Q&A did not so close. solve all of those problems, <laughs> but we then had a poker tutorial for newcomers. I did my usual spiel for people who've literally as, never as played hand. Yeah, exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I learned a lot that night. I don't do the tables where I give hints and tips that are actually going to help you play the game. I can tell you what beats what right, and exactly. how the best. I have works. the hand rankings chart totally. Mem Wait, hold on. Yes, totally memorized. So there was then a poker tournament at the Hippodrome, and it was great to see Francine, our boss literally boss the table yes and make some questionable moves but ultimately finished third and it was gj georgina james reginald who won this special event but for the second event in a row where i've had to do a tutorial for complete newbies one of my students came second that's awesome that's cool that's gonna make you feel good you know what's funny oh no i was gonna say at the red spade pass thing one of my students won that tournament, but I also taught everyone who was there. So whoever I taught was guaranteed to win. Because only newcomers took part, right? right. Whereas yeah. there, there were some people in this event who That's awesome. knew what That's they were That's really doing. cool. So yeah, I'm only going to take 70% of the credit. Uh, and then <laughs> afterwards, we had drinks on the terrace. I got home at a reasonable hour. I'm not sure if slash how Nick Walsh made it back to Brighton, but a fun night was I enjoyed. saw him out on a chair and cross road with his thumb out. <laughs> um, I have to say that I've had several nights out recently I went to a, a Pet Shop Boys gig at Wembley Arena last Saturday wait 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 the actual Pet Shop the Boys the actual Pet Shop Boys I'm going to the Major League Baseball game in London this weekend look I have been living a bit of a different existence in recent weeks and I know that it's something that we have alluded to a couple of times I've mentioned A that this has been a crazy few months of the yes. year and I've mentioned a couple of times 
half tongue in cheek that I'm having a midlife crisis. Basically, in amongst everything else that we've been doing professionally, personally, and sadly, my wife and I took the decision at the start of the year to separate, and we're currently getting divorced. Now, it is an- I already knew this, guys. I'm going to pretend to be surprised. No, no, no. guess no. what? It's kind of hard to keep that from me. Of course. And under, also, <laughs> Joe is one of the few people I confided in, and I have to say, and look, I know I give Joe a lot of shit um, on the air, but Joe has been a great friend. He is a wonderful person and has been a great assist during what has been a very weird and very emotional few months. So when we say Freaky Friday, by the way, when we you've heard us allude to Freaky Friday every once in a while, it's because James and I have sort of swapped lives a little bit. <laughs> just, 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 just a little bit. Now, what's been really strange is the backdrop to this has been a very intense few months. We had the Bahamas and EPT Paris back to back. Then we went straight to Vegas for the Global Poker Awards. Then we were straight into the Irish Open and Monte Carlo and into Scoop. There's barely been a moment to breathe. Plus, there was another distraction, which I'm not going to get into in this podcast. But ultimately, <laughs> it kind of like has been going on in the background while I've been keeping busy with everything else and that's why it's been a very weird mix of highs and lows yeah. and just not being able to focus on anything and in the midst of it all obviously having to sell the house as well and it's a very weird time for the london property market right it, now is it how has it gone yet as it it has sold but look until until you complete until you get that money in your bank account exactly yeah. You, yeah. you don't but you don't jinx it. I don't want to jinx it, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're on the flop right now. Let's wait till okay. the turn and river are dealt before we fist pump the air. Okay, fine. But in the midst of all this, kind of a lot of people in my situation would do something really outrageous and dumb like buy a Porsche. That's the classic kind of like... Or a watch. Or, you know, I don't... I, I, I did do that. But I didn't <laughs> buy the Porsche because I'm not really into cars. So my poker equivalent of buying the Porsche for part of my midlife crisis is I have taken the decision to pony up the $10,000 to play the World Series of Poker main event. Okay, now here's the real question. How much would you have to cash for in the main before you buy the Porsche? I'm never buying a Porsche. I don't do cars. I, I don't have a car. I live if in London. If you won $9 million, you wouldn't buy a car? Well, I'd probably move, in which case I'd need a car. Right. So what kind of car would you get then? It's important you think about these things ahead of time because you're not going to win $9 million. So you need to have the joy of thinking about what you would do with $9 million. Something electric, but practical. And and, and not a Tesla for no obvious muskies. reasons. No. <laughs> so, yes. In yeah. addition to Joe, who won his seat in the World Series of Poker main event, I will be playing the 10K main, except I will be paying my own way. Now, Joe, you and I have already swapped 5%. Yes. I'm probably going to sell an additional 25%, so I will have 70% of my own action. Who are you going to sell it to? Just friends and family? I podcast listeners? Don't know. I I need to talk to you about what the best way of 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 doing this is. If you want to sell it to randos, I'll set you up with the with the with the right people to do that. I but, think I might offer it to preferred clients first, yeah. like friends and colleagues, and yeah. then we'll open it up to the public. Sure. Well, if, if and when you want to open it up to the public, I, mean, I got a guy for you. I can't imagine there'll be much demand. I don't consider myself to be a great investment. I think that lots of people would like to have a sweat, especially if you're going to sell it even money. I think, I think for fun. Yeah. I think, oh, I, I, no markup. I don't do markup. Yeah. I don't do markup. So, yes, we will both be in Vegas in July for the main event. But ahead of that, we do need to take a look at what is happening right now in the World Series of Poker because it's been going for pretty much the entire month of June. Um, so as we advertise at the top of the show, we're going to talk to someone who is there in Vegas at the Horseshoe slash Paris with 
literally a direct line of sight on all the key action. He is a poker player and poker broadcaster, best known for his work on Poker Go. Jeff Platt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, James. Happy to be on with you, fellas. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff, do you uh, do you do a lot of podcasts as a guest? Yeah, you know, Sapes don't mean to brag, but across the poker community, I do. Eh, eh, not, not too many, maybe, maybe once every month or two. In that case, I kind of feel guilty that we haven't invited you on before. It is your first time on the show, so I do think we probably need the elevator pitch version of the Jeff mm. Platt story. Yeah, that's why I was asking, because I end up going on podcasts all the time, and they're like, how'd you get your start in poker? And I'll go, guys, I- I've done this like <laughs> on like 20 podcasts this year. If you really want to know, I'll tell you. But I do, I do think our audience would probably like to hear it from you, Jeff, if you haven't done it a thousand times already this year. And I think the, the elevator pitch version is, is quite easy and quite simple. I worked in, in sports broadcasting for a while and always played poker. So I just wanted some kind of way to merge those two passions together as, as corny as that sounds. And I reached out to, uh, Dan Gotti, who works at, at Poker Go. I'd kept in touch with him through a couple of main event runs again here with the bragging. That's going to be a constant theme. Wait, so so wait, so wait, as a player is when you, is how you met debt. So Dan's the guy that produces the stuff for poker go. Now Mm -hmm. is really the guy on the ground doing everything, running, running the show behind the scenes. You're saying you played the main event and you got on Dan's radar that way, or he got on yours. Exactly. I ended up at a feature table in 2014 during the main event. Definitely just because I was sitting next to Maria Ho played a little bit on the feature table. Then the next year, Dan comes up and says, hi, I'm Dan, you know, executive producer, et cetera, et cetera. And so we chat just very briefly. I ended up making a deepish run in 2015. And we always kind of kept in touch. And I said, hey, if there's there's anything going on, he says, not now, but maybe in the future, et cetera, et cetera. And I was working at a, as a sports reporter in San Antonio. My contract was running up. I figured I'll just tell him I'm going out to Vegas. Maybe I can get in front of him, in front of Maury. Maybe we can audition and say, hey, got this trip planned, this extravagant trip planned, which wasn't planned at all, just seeing what he would say. Yeah, he said, smart. yeah, you know, I, I can give you, you know, 10 minutes with me and more. I said, I'll take it. I auditioned for them and don't hear anything. Not a word, not a peep. So all righty, then tap the table. And then I try one more time. When my contract is officially up in San Antonio uh, and... They said, well, we might have something for you. I said, that's that's good enough for me. Came out, was lucky enough to do play-by-play for a couple of World Series events in 2018 and just was fortunate. I think the timing was was perfect as far as Poker Go was developing. As far as, as, far as me poker. getting shit canned, the timing was perfect. I have, have no comment <laughs> on uh, your career and, and how that was going along <laughs> those years. I figured there was just a job posting that said Joe Stapleton's job on the bulletin board at a handsome boy modeling school. You pulled off one of the tabs and they were like, yeah, this guy works. (laughs) I do believe the first time we met, I don't expect you to remember this, of course, was the 2018 World Series. Not the main event, but maybe that was the last year they did the one drop, right? The one Millie buy-in? Yes. Yeah. The bottom O, he won it that year, right? That was, I think, the officially last time I worked for Poker Go. Yes. Yes, and then you stopped working for them. I started working for them, basically. It's a beautiful transition. Coincidence, question mark? I don't (laughs) think so. It's just a testament to what a fucking great guy Jeff is, though, because, look, I don't think that Jeff took my job. I don't even joke about it that much because I don't want to make him feel bad. But it's pretty rare 
that you would become very close friends with the person who took over <laughs> from you, for you, whatever it is. So that you can play the long game and extract your revenge down the line when they're least expecting <laughs> oh. it. When Jeff Great invariably point, gets canceled for whatever, he's too perfect. <laughs> he's got to be up to something so creepy behind the scenes that when that gets found out, maybe I'll have a shot at getting back in. But let me brag on Stapes for a little bit, showing yes, you how good yes. of a guy Stapes is. Maybe, maybe not. I took his job debatable. I, I still think it's just <laughs> Kara coming back. But at 2021, the first year I got to do sideline reporting for the main, I saw Stapes at one of the World Series of Poker main event parties. He's like, man, I know I'm like supposed to be rooting against you in theory because you have my job, but you are crushing it. You're doing such a great job in that that, of course, meant a lot to me and was a very He's a very convincing gesture. liar, isn't he? You, you are good at, good at it. And you have something that's near and dear to my heart. You have catchphrases. You have dim the lights, yeah. which I am jealous of. That's a great catchphrase. That's like, you know, like, hey, this is my your opening catchphrase. Dim the lights. Hold on, I'm, hold on, hold on. Didn't you steal that from the Muppets? I did not steal it from the Muppets, James. It, I did, <laughs> I did steal it from, from Ryan Seacrest. American Idol. <laughs> Who stole it from the Muppets? And then uh, I, I always screw this up, and it, you know what? It pisses me off when people are like, "Oh, everyone's everyone loves a chopped pot," and I'm like, "How hard is it to get it right?" But, but I do love the other catchphrase, even though I screwed up. And it's, w "Will you stand up for me, please?" Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I, I didn't even know that was really a thing. I was just asking people to stand up, and I was trying to be nice about it because it was during the main event. And I just love it. Kind of took off. So, Jeff, how? stressful slash hard is it during the world series of poker for you guys because we're talking about a festival that runs for the better part of seven weeks and you're covering multiple events multiple final tables knowing yeah. that you have to save something for the circus that is the main event that falls <laughs> at the end i i think and i genuinely am not just saying this that it, it is so much harder for our crew than for the quote unquote talent, which, which is still a pretty stupid word, just because there's so much in the, in the rotation. Like, so we'll have Ali and Nick one day and Ali and Norman Chad the next day. And then Brent Hanks and I will jump in the booth. I'll be doing sidelines for a couple of events. And then Natalie Bodie will be doing sidelines for a couple of events, but it's, it's the exact same crew day after day. And we're streaming every day, most of the time on poker go a lot of the time on our YouTube channel. So it is more difficult for them. I, I think it's, relatively easy to quote unquote save up for the the main event just because as you guys know every tournament is bringing its own set of storylines especially the world series it's why i love the world series so much we broadcasted the 250k super high roller the other day that came with a certain set of storylines and then we <laughs> did the 1500 monster stack yesterday with more than 8300 players and so you see two totally different atmospheres, environments at our final table. And it's just, it's just always different. It's always unique. And I think that's, that's the beauty of the world series of pokers. You just have so many different kinds of events and therefore so many different kinds of players and in, in so many unique stories throughout. You know, that leads me to a question. I want to see if you're similar to me and James in this respect in that, you know, we've been obviously doing this for a long time, and when you're covering really big buy-in events, you tend to see the same players over and over again at those final tables, yeah. at the TV tables. And when we cover either a smaller event 
or an event where somehow we get four or five people we've never heard of before, I actually find those a lot more fun to commentate, a lot more fun to uh, as both a viewer and a commentator. Uh, and I'm just wondering if you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of refreshing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yesterday we did it. We did have Joe Cat at our final table, which is absurd Ugh, considering he wins him. the main final table's the main wins the closer after that main. Um, so that was ridiculous. But when we were down to six, sure, one guy had won a bracelet in 2010, but for most of the rest, it was their biggest career score already, just yeah. by finishing in, in the top six. And the style of play is different; it's unique. And guys, and you'll appreciate this. They're they're actually like getting excited. Yeah, they win a pot and they'll cheer and they'll come up to their rail. Human emotion. The exchange. <laughs> yeah, can you believe it? Or uh, also like when you interview a winner and you're like, oh my god, yeah. you just won a million dollars, and he's like, yeah, I'm playing a million dollar buy-in tomorrow though, and you're like, okay, <laughs> that's not that exciting. And that's, when someone, someone who's like won their seat, their fifteen hundred dollar seat because they won the leaderboard in their home game, wins like four hundred thousand dollars, they're like actually a fun person to interview. Exactly. And case in point there, Natalie talked to somebody yesterday who won the $500 freeze out. And this this tournament drew more than 5,000 players, which is absolutely ridiculous. His name is Jay Lockett. He's from Austin, Texas. He has one career tournament cash and it was for $1,900. <laughs> and he, he told Natalie, he's like, I'm on the plane from Austin and I'm telling people I'm going to the World Series, but I'm absolute dead money. You know, I got no chance. And And he just wins it. And he's just so elated and surprised and all of the emotions are hitting them at once it's 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 a spectacular display of of entertainment i know that promoting poker is a skill game and explaining that the best players yeah. are typically the ones who win yeah. over time is something that's good for our industry but i think it's also very good for our industry that dream of you can go to Vegas and just run like you might not be that good of a player and run like a god for three days straight and have the dream run and and kill it. And I don't think that those two narratives have to be mutually exclusive. No. Right. And I, I think that that's the dream that the World Series of Poker presents. Again, on the one hand, we had Chris Brewer win the 250K Super High Roller and, and really breaking through after a win at, at one of y'all stops earlier this year and winning more than $5.2 million. And that's great for the the high roller community. And it does prove that poker is a game of skill because he is most certainly one of the best and he is starting to break through this year. And then on the other hand, like Stapes says, you got Jay Lockett coming in town and just, just crushing 5,341 other players in route to winning more than $260,000. And people, people are going to see both storylines and, and can still be excited about what poker has to offer. Okay. You've already mentioned a couple of winners, Jeff. Now, by coincidence, not by design, we ended up taking a two-week vacation at the start of June. So mm -hmm. we've kind of been a little bit out of the loop. So Handley, you have been there, so you know everything that's been going on. What have been the highlights? What have been the biggest stories for you so far at this WSOP? Uh, I think week one, it was most certainly Chad Eavesledge, who won the $1,500 dealer's choice and then jumps into the 10K dealer's choice a couple days later and, and just wins that too. That, wow. That's that's an extraordinary feat. I mean, I mean, to just to just win two bracelets in one summer is unreal. To to do it in the same event at the different price points and to do it within a week. And we know that the 10K championship events feature the best players in the world. It's it's quite extraordinary to pull something off like that. And then I think, James, that you had a couple guys knocking off their 
spot on the best players to have never won a World Series of Poker bracelet yeah. list. And and that would be Isaac Haxton for sure as he gets one and and Chris Brewer who wins the 250k super high roller. I think another note just as far as winners are concerned, Jeremy Osmus won one of the online events just a couple nights ago as the $3200 mine. So you know, a nice tournament to win against a pretty strong field. It's his sixth career bracelet, but more importantly, it's his fifth in less than two years. That's absurd. I saw that 21 months or something, right? (laughs) Right, right. And that's remarkable. And of course, he's thought of as one of the best players in the world. But still, to do that, that puts you on just an elite level. As far as other storylines are concerned, we were so close to getting Phil Ivey at the Poker Players Championship final table. He finished in sixth place. He's been making a couple of really deep runs. And then I think you just point to the turnout. And I know Stapes mentioned this on on one of your last shows. It just feels like the World Series of Poker is is really back. 2021 was that weird year. It was in the fall. It was during the pandemic. There were masks. There was a a vaccine mandate. 2022 was just fresh and new and moving into Paris and what was then called Bally's. And this year it's at Paris and the Horseshoe. And I think everything is really smooth and just the turnout is unreal. I said it more than 5,300 players in a $500 freeze out, more than 23,000 entries in the $300 Gladiators of Poker, the second biggest poker tournament of all time. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the high rollers are receiving the biggest numbers that they've ever received. The 10K PLO championship blew the, their record out of the water just yesterday with registration still open. So it, it feels uh, alive at the, at the World Series of Poker. Hell yeah. Least. But this is a story that we're seeing the world over on every single major yeah. live tour and circuit. Mm-hmm. It's how live poker is absolutely booming right now. And I'm not going to lie, this time last year I was saying, yeah, but this is inevitable, right? This is the post-lockdown kind of bump. Everyone wants to play live after mm-hmm. not being able to do so for so long. How long is this going to last? And here we are, midway through 2023. The numbers are still going up. The popularity of live poker is still going up. <laughs> at, at all price points, too. And, and I think that you all have seen that. I mean, I know your EPT mains have been huge throughout this last year, but yeah. you see it at the high roller level. And then you see it at that really low level also. And people just coming out of the woodwork to fire off in the, the $300 gladiator. So if the low buy-ins can get absolutely absurd numbers and the high buy-ins can get absolutely absurd numbers, I think, I think we're in pretty good shape overall. Yeah. By the way, if you had said to me, does Ike Haxton have a World Series of Poker bracelet a few weeks ago? I would have snap called yes. I did yeah. not know he was on the list of players who'd yet to win one. He might have been the guy at the top of the list, really. I mean, no offense to anyone else, but if you... No, if you... I, and I think that's very fair to say that it's definitely him. I, I think last year there was a, a real argument that, hey, Dan Smith's maybe the top of the list, and he he won the Heads Up Championship. The year before was Jason Kuhn. It's like all these guys kind of, again, check off their spot on this list. I do have a slight problem with Ike. You know, after the interview, I go for the fist bump and he just like, I kind of thought he saw the fist bump, didn't know what the fist bump was, and he just, <laughs> like, just kind of walks away. So, but know, he apologized, right? He, he said he didn't see it. Yeah. He's very nice about it. He seemed uh, to have felt I have very a cu- bad. couple of questions about some of the things you just mentioned. One question here is that, uh, so I believe it was your co-host, Brett, Brent Hanks. Did he yeah. bet against Dan Cates in the 50K going thrack to thrack? No, it was Kevin Martin. Oh, I okay, great. No, <laughs> made I, that bet. I assume you guys don't do bets, right? Um, with stuff like that while you're doing commentary. 
No, I mean, we won't do it if, you know, we know that we're going to call that event. Like that yeah. 50K, for example, we know we aren't on the call for that. So I would have been happy to make, you know, any bets related to that. Um, but that one, that one was Kmart. I think he got better than 30 to one odds. Um, still, it's still quite the sweat against, against Jungle, who did go back to back, was eliminated this year. But Stapes, and I know that you guys have talked about wanting to do this. Brent and I do have a 25K fantasy team. So wait, yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to ask you about this. Is it just from. the two of you put up 12, five each? Oh yeah. Yeah. It definitely wasn't, um, you know, one big backer behind us and then putting it up on poker stake for the rest of it. And <laughs> uh, okay. All right. But let's go with the 12.5 K. Yeah. I was going to say, Joe, cool we need way. to start earning some of this poker go money. Nope. Cause clearly <laughs> these guys are making back. Yeah. But the thing is that like Jeff, Jeff is like, has like secret money because he's gone deep in like a couple of tournaments and had big scores. And he's not like a big spender from what I can oh, tell. No, that, That's the big difference between Jeff and us. He's a legitimate poker player. <laughs> yeah, I know it sucks. <laughs> um, there is, a couple of things well let's talk about some of the stuff that has been on our radar because there mm -hmm. is some stuff that obviously really cut through especially if we look at the cesspool that is social media um now there is obviously one big story that we're not going to talk about because it's an active legal case and we've been advised not to talk about it but there was another controversy which is alan kessler versus jan zarenz because i did not <laughs> know that this beef existed now joe and i have spent a lot of time in the last three years covering online poker so sure. graph tackle is very well known to us and we are aware that this is a very talented very successful poker player so for kessler to be questioning this guy's pedigree is hilarious and for him to say i don't trust online or i don't believe online is just it's so chainsaw not only is graph tackle great but he's great at all of the games too like he couldn't be any look i i got a lot of time for kessler if people yeah. don't like him i get it it's fine he can be quite annoying to some people he doesn't bother <laughs> me at all but this is fucking hilarious like this i don't even like he picks these hills to die on and uh well he's he's kind of eating his words a little bit this summer isn't he that it is it is one of my favorite storylines of the summer and in Kind of like you, James, I wasn't particularly aware that, that this was going on, but looking back and reading the tweets and all of a sudden there's this rivalry forum between Alan Kessler <laughs> and one of the greatest online poker players, you know, maybe in the history of the game. And it's just so absurd, yet it is indeed, like you said, it's just so fitting because it's Alan Kessler, who, by the way, has had a great series. Of course for, he has. For him. Uh, and he is on our 25K fantasy team. That was more of a content play. How much uh, did you pick a, him up for? Uh, $2. Oh, what is, that's a bargain. I think that's a bargain, honestly. Right? It's a bargain. He has, he has eight caches so far. But to even compare these two figures in the world of poker, again, is pretty incredibly ridiculous. <laughs> and so to see Jans get it done in the live arena, and I know he's, he started to pop up here and there, and I'm sure he'll pop up more. It's it's cool to see him compete because, again, we've seen him online for so long through you guys. So he won one of the high roller events, right? And I saw that he yes. tweeted, where's Alan Kessler when he was having his winner's photo <laughs> taken? And it's just like perfect. The perfect kind of like drop mic moment for sure. Uh, so uh, it was indeed. He won the 100K, and yeah. this comes after a third place finish at the 50K. And I believe that this is 
at least one of his very first World Series of Poker just shows up and just absolutely crushes. So that leads me to something else. I still see a lot of people on social media, and I guess it's kind of a meme now, but like complaining about Euro this or Euro that. Oh, I've got Euros at my table. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, look, I know I'm a little bit unbiased because I work on the European Poker Tour now, but it's just, in 2023, it seems like such a lame thing to say, especially when like, Americans are fucking fat and stupid. So, like, <laughs> what are they doing? Like, do you I, is it as pal? Is it just because I'm reading it on on social media, or is it palpable live at, at the disdain that some Americans have for euros? No, I'll be honest. I, I think that it's a little palpable, and I, I don't quite understand why. I, th- I think players are just using this as a guise because really they know that for the most part the euros are just are just better at poker. You know, I, I just have to say it. So when when a Euro is in town for the World Series, you know that the competition level is going to ramp up a little bit. But most people, for some reason, that they're they're targeting Euros for tanking. And tanking is most certainly an issue. Like there's no question about it, especially around the bubble, especially in events that that don't have a shot clock attached to them. It is an issue. But it's a huge issue for American players also. I've played in plenty of poker tournaments. We're tanking, especially around the bubble, is a major problem. I don't play online anymore here in the States because tanking, especially around the bubble, is a major problem. So so to throw everything on the Euros like, oh, this guy just sits there and tries to think about a spot for three minutes. Yeah, that might be happening for somebody from Europe, but but it's happening quite frequently here in the States as well. So I don't get it, but but it is there, States. It, it's definitely there. Like rivalry is probably too strong of a word, but but there is most certainly uh, something there in the live arena. Yeah, I thought we had moved past that. Maybe because of the pandemic and there wasn't as much travel for those couple of years, maybe that sort yeah. of rift has has recreated itself. But It feels very 2007. Yeah, I've been a little uh, disappointed in that. Um, obviously, Jeff, we've got like a couple of weeks, maybe 10 days now until the main event starts. You commented on how big everything is. What mm-hmm. is your prediction for the 10K main event? Well, I'm going pretty big, pretty absurd with this number. And I think first off, undoubtedly, it will be the biggest World Series of Poker main event of all time. I just got Um, chills when he said that, actually. Literally. That's good. That's good. I'm going to keep using that uh, on air then. My my (laughs) number number is 10,016. 10016. I think that the World Series of Poker this year put in so much effort into satellites across both the live and online arenas, not even able to compare it to what they've done in years past. And then I think, just like you said, James, just overall turnout has been up. I think that that's a great sign. So I am expecting a ridiculously huge World Series of Poker main event. You might want to revise your estimate, Jeff, when I tell you that in addition to Joe Stapleton, as you know, won a seat to the main event, Mm -hmm. I have decided for the first time in my life I'm going to pay the $10,000 entry fee and I'm going to join Joe and I'm going to play the main. This is remarkable news. I keep hearing <laughs> little bits, little teases about the main and I know you left us hanging on the last on the last podcast. Yeah. This is incredible to have you both at the World Series of Poker. Have you both in the main? Let's go. He just makes you feel so good, doesn't he, Jeff Platt? He's the fucking best. He knows that's not not just adding one to his estimate. That's now people realizing amazing supreme value. (laughs) Add another 20, 30, 40, 50 to that estimate. Another fucking Euro who's going to tank on the bubble. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, oh, this is so great. Let's see if I've got anything else for Jeff before. Yes, one last question for Jeff. And if you if you can't comment, that's okay. Okay. Sometimes my favorite stories, and it's not Schadenfreude at all, because I want the World Series to be successful, and I yeah. want it's a huge undertaking. And when mistakes yeah. happen, I have all the the. I understand that shit's gonna happen, but last year there was stuff where like two six of spades hit the flop, <laughs> and a dealer, uh, when they were told to color up during the break, just <laughs> just put everyone's chips back in the rack. Did any, and by the way, again, no shot in front here. I just think it's fucking hilarious when gigantic disasters happen. Have there been any disasters like that that have happened in the World Series? If you don't feel like calling out the World Series, that's okay. No, 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 I will. Well, especially this year, because it, I think it's been a lot smoother on, on that front. No, no disastrous errors like that. Now, of course, when you bring in so many dealers so many of those dealers are going to be new and there are going to be minor issues here and there but overall i think it's been handled very well the the only issue that i can think of when you bring that up is there was a 10k mystery bounty event they called it the secret bounty this year and last year the 1k price point mystery bounty crushed this year it crushed more than eighteen thousand entries I, I don't think they were quite ready for maybe what the what the turnout was. I'm not sure what the issue was. So the players did not have clear indications of when the bounties would start to go into play. There were different messages sent of when they would reach the money. So it was all a little bit confusing because you're sitting there late day one. You know that this is a mystery bounty event. You know, the value of chips is a little bit different, et cetera, et cetera. But you aren't quite sure when the bounties are going into play <laughs> during the tournament. That's a little weird. You aren't quite sure when you hit the money. As they say, at one point, we're going to hit the money, you know, at the end of level 15. And they say, actually, it's, you know, sometime in day two. Oh, no, actually, it's the end of level 15. And actually, we didn't hit the money, but we're still going to start <laughs> bounties. So that was a little weird. And it was a little weird to be figuring that out pretty late within the 10K. But other than that, I, I can't think of anything like, you know, the color up means just take everybody's chips and throw them into the well altogether. <laughs> I've forgotten about that. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Awesome. You know, as tradition on this show, you've done your homework. And I believe Jeff's actually a listener of the show and doesn't just uh, listen to the last episode because he was coming on. I think he's legit been a part of the show. So I wasn't going to deny you, Jeff, your own stupid game. Now, <laughs> it is a yes. game that we have played before on the show, and I hope you don't, uh, okay. you're not disappointed to, uh, to get a recycled game. But I think it's important because I think people want to know what you think, Jeff. So today we're going to play a game of good for poker, bad for poker. Ooh. I'm going to list out uh, around 20 different things. All you have to do is we say whether or not you think the thing I've named is good for poker or bad for poker. No explanation necessary. And to be clear, there are objectively correct and incorrect That's answers. That's right. There's, this, is not, this is not an opinion. This is course, actually right or, wrong. right or wrong. That's correct. Are you ready? I, I am ready. It's going to be tough for me not to elaborate because, I mean, as you guys know, we like to talk. We like to ramble. But, yes, I'll, I'll stick Please, to it. Please, no, you may poker. elaborate if you feel strongly okay. and want to elaborate. Go for it. I just want to let you know there's like 20 of them, though, so just pace yourself. Here we go. <laughs> we'll, make it, we'll make it quick. Okay. All right. Kicking things off here. Poker Twitter spaces. Good for poker, bad for poker. Bad for poker. Bad for poker seen recently. is yes. correct. Yes, one for one. Nick Shulman winning his fifth, is it fifth? Whatever bracelet number it is. Good for poker, bad for poker. Gonna go with good for poker here, Stapes. Correct, two for two. A no phones at the table rule. Good for poker, bad for poker. 
Bad for poker would crush the turnout. Bad for poker, correct. Three for three. Matt Savage's speech is good for poker, <laughs> bad for poker. Uh, Bad for poker, all, all due respect to Matt Savage. Bad for poker, correct. Oh my God, he's crushing. Here we go. Poker being featured on Netflix's FUBAR starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. G great for poker. I'm sorry, good for poker. Good for poker, correct. We'll accept great for poker. Uh, the TV show Selling Sunset. Good for poker, bad for poker. Bad for poker, but buying Beverly Hills would be great for poker. Actually, with James's affiliation with selling sunset in some weird way. Let me change it to good for poker. Good for poker is correct. And next up yes. is buying Beverly Hills. Good yes. for poker, bad for poker. It, it just incredibly unbelievable for poker. He's crushing it. Here we go. So Seven. just to be clear, just to be clear, there's an in-joke here. What is your mm -hmm. connection to the <laughs> latter of those two shows? My sister, one Melissa Platt, does indeed work for the agency and does, does star, I must say on buying Beverly Hills. Has she thought about defecting to the Oppenheim oh. group so she can be a part of my favorite TV show? No, no, she is not, James. No, she is he, not. He knows very well. All right, Jeff crushing this game. No surprise here. All right, here we go. Um, government whistleblowers exposing the existence of alien life and technology. Good for poker or bad for poker? Uh, bad for poker. Bad for poker, correct. Stand-up comedian Matt Reif. Good for poker, bad for poker. Not sure who he is. He's in the stand-up world. Uh, good for poker. Correct. Good for poker. Crushing it. Okay, here we go. Uh, the pharmaceutical drug Ozempic. Good for poker. Bad for poker. <laughs> um, good for poker because I just have this image of Dan Shack holding up a $100,000 bounty. <laughs> good for poker. Uh, the coronation of King Charles. Good for poker. Bad for poker. Oh, good Good for poker. Absolutely for good poker. for poker. Yeah. Trans fats. Good for poker. Bad for poker. Uh, good for poker due to popularity within the poker world. Absolutely. That's the exact reason I have written here. All day breakfast from McDonald's. Good for poker. Bad yeah. for poker. Good Good for poker. Easy. Yep. Uh, Luca Luca Don Donchik, good for poker, bad for poker. Thank you for including Luca's name uh, along with buying Beverly Hills in this game. Good for poker. Good for poker, absolutely. The Florida book ban, good for poker, bad for poker. Yeah, bad, bad for poker. Okay, how about this one? The Arlie Shaban, good for poker, bad oh, for poker. Uh, good, good, good for poker. All right, just uh, two left. Here we go. Um, three left. Megan the Stallion. Good for poker, bad for poker. Yep, yep. Good, yep. good for the game. Correct. Good All right. The uh, there's only two left. He's, he's got like 18 out of 18. Chat GPT. Good for poker, bad for poker. Chat GPT. Would that be good or bad? This, 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 one, this one has me stumped and I'm so nervous because I've been so perfect. Um, good. Bad Jeff? for poker. Bad, said bad for poker. Bad for poker, Jeff. You continue yes. to be perfect. Wow. Unbelievable. Final one here. Sponsored content and poker media. This question brought to you by UKIPT Blackpool, July 11th through 16th. Good for poker, bad for poker. This this is tough. I, I'm going to go good for poker. Good for poker. He did it, everyone. 20 for 20. Jeff Platt, handsome boy modeling school. Go there. That's, that's how you get all the good jobs in poker these days. Oh, I'm just so happy that I got to play a game on this show. <laughs> Jeff, I'm glad that you agreed to get up at an ungodly hour to come on this show. Thank, thank you, you very much for being a part of this podcast. And thank you for your update from the WSOP. Joe and I will see you at the venue in a couple of weeks' time. I cannot wait to see you guys, to ask you guys to stand up for me, please. Thank you all so much for having me. Yes!
All right, my babies, that's just about all the time we've got for this week's show. Coming up next week, it's our season finale, finally. Yes, and hopefully we will have a super fan for next week's show. Uh, should highlight that even though we'll be taking a six-week summer break, there will be a summer special that will drop at some point in July, and this will be a Poker Movie Monday episode, mainly talking about Blackbird. And to be clear... This is the Michael Flatley Vanity Project, not the Apple TV series with Taron Egerton. And this means we do need a Blackbird superfan. And something, Joe, that you and I discovered while I was in the States is there is no way of watching this movie in North America, it seems. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to go to Europe to down. You're going to have to send me a copy of it somehow. Yeah, hopefully you can see the movie and hopefully you can volunteer to be a super fan. Suffice to say, we want you to use the Superfan Applications channel on the Pokestars Discord server. And yeah, maybe we can, as we normally do, juice the prize pool because we're picking the subject. I, quite frankly, we're going to need to bribe someone to watch this movie because I hear it's atrocious. It's a summer special. We can come up with some more money to watch an atrocious, <laughs> atrocious movie. All right, so next week... James and I, the goal is to have a very special guest to give us some hints and tips from a World Series of Poker mainstayer, a journeyman or woman, if you will, on what to expect in the World Series of Poker main event for a couple of noobs and how we should approach this unique tournament. And notice how we didn't identify who that World Series of Poker player is because we haven't actually booked <laughs> anyone yet and I think we probably need to get on that right now. I've got my eyes on someone that I've been wanting to talk to for a while, so hopefully we end up with that human. One last reminder about the Discord. Get involved. Have some chats with us, especially because we're going to be on a long break in a couple of weeks, so get on that Discord. But for now, that is all the time we've got for this week's episode. For James Hardigan, I'm Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. <laughs>